0: Hey guys, this is Sean Waller, also known as Sean The Realty.
1: Continue
0: to educate yourself because this business is always evolving. Just continue to learn. With it, talk to you guys later.
1: Here I am. There you go. Let's figure
0: out what's happening here. Yeah, it was was, was a mess today. (laughs) No,
1: it's all good. Don't worry, I get it. Don't thank worry, I going. was relaxing. I was yeah,
0: home, no. what? I said, uh, thank you for joining. Of
1: course, thank you for having me.
0: Of course, of course. So I'm gonna do a little introduction, right? Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to still get a grasp of this thing. So welcome to the Free Game Podcast, right? I'm Sean, Sean Walla, also known as Sean Your Realtor. Today I have one of my favorite attorneys. I'm saying that hey. out loud, Crystal. I have my favorite yeah. attorney on, Crystal Leone. Um, I don't want to butcher your, your law firm's name. So I know I'm going to say it wrong because so I'm not even going to say it. So can you give me a little introduction?
1: Yeah, definitely. Sean, first of all, thank you for having me. Thank you for calling me your favorite. That means so much to me, of course, because you are one of my favorite <laughs> real estate agents. So thank you so much. The feelings are mutual. Um, so my name is Crystal Young. I am a real estate attorney with the law firm of Suris and Associates. Uh, The firm is located on Long Island. We represent buyers, sellers, banks all over the state of New York. So
0: that's enough. That's enough? That's it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's enough. enough. I can go on and on. You know, I have a cat. I have a, you know, I talk about my favorite water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can definitely get into that. The the more we go into it, we can get into that. I I have to know the cat's name. What's the cat's name?
1: (laughs) Tyler, actually, Tyler. Tyler. And he's he's actually 20. He's 20 oh, years wow. old, like human years. What wow, wow. Know, crazy. Tyler's crazy. been around for crazy, a while, huh? Right?
0: 20 years. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Tyler's just keep on ticking. He's not going he nowhere.
1: He just popped up right next to me. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. Yeah,
0: good. Stay, we need you to stay around a little bit longer, Tyler. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, Crystal, today we actually yeah. close on our first deal together, which was yeah. an interesting one. <laughs> nonetheless, but uh, I'm glad I was able to to, to go on that ride with you. You made it so smooth. My my buyers are over the top, in love with the home. They are, they're living the American dream now. I'm pretty sure they gave you a little background, so I won't go too too much into that today. Anyway, so, so I started this podcast for a few reasons, right? Um, I'm always getting questions from different buyers, sellers. When they come to me, they always ask, how do they even know what do they, what do they look for in a real estate attorney and how did they start the process with a real estate attorney? So if you don't mind giving me a little bit of insight, um, someone is looking for a real estate attorney. They call your phone. What is the first thing Crystal's telling them?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I do, actually, I ask them where they are in the process and, um, and also their experience, you know? So the first thing I personally want to know, is it, their first time, because, you know, if I have a first time home buyer, I treat them or, or respond to questions a little different than if it's their second time or third time, or if they're an investor purchasing a home. Um, so when a buyer comes to me, first I ask, you know, is it your first time? I'm purchasing a home. Most times, yes, it is. I congratulate them because it is a big deal. Like to make them understand, it's a very exciting process. Okay. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. It sounds like your, your 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 video is like freezing in and out, but I hear the audio. But I think we're back on track now. So, so definitely. So the competition okay, should first. be a little different between the first-time home buyer and someone that's more experienced. Um.
1: Yeah. Like a first-time
0: home buyer, I I work with a lot of first-time home buyers, and the, the experience is always different, right? It's it's more exciting. Um, it's there's always more, you know, at the closing table. It's just you can never, if you if you haven't been there, you can never really express the feeling, right? Um, so now a first, in the, one of the toughest things in this market, especially in this market right now, is for first-time home buyers. Is I feel like this the process is a little rushed for them now. So they don't really get to take everything in at the beginning, but they kind of catch up at the end. Um, so now first time home buyer, should someone call you prior to them um, getting an accepted offer on a property? How is that process usually work with a first time home buyer?
1: Yeah, so I, I get buyers at different stages. So um, it really depends on who's making the introduction. A lot of times, the agent will say, Listen, I have a new buyer. The buyer doesn't have an attorney. We're at the beginning stages. We're waiting on a pre approval, but I just want to make an introduction to all parties right from the start. I love when that happens because it really sets the tone. Um, The client understands now that they have a team that's waiting for them, that's cheering them on. Um, So, so, Oftentimes, I will get a buyer before they've even gone out to look for a property. They'll give me a call, and that's my opportunity to, again, congratulate them you know, on the upcoming purchase, but then also to walk them through the process so they know what to expect. Um, so for me, what they should expect is that when I come in after the pre-approval complete, they found a house, and the inspection's done. The seller's attorney prepares the contract. I review that contract and then I'll reach out to the buyer and we'll go through that contract together. At that point, they'll have to write the down payment, um, sign the contract, and then the contract is sent over to the seller's attorney. The seller's attorney will meet with the seller, seller will sign, and then they're locked into contract. So I really like to have those conversations just right at the start so they know what to expect and they know what where, when and, and, and what happens after their offer is indeed accepted. They understand that the next step is the inspection. And then that's when I come in. So sometimes I get um, the, the, the buyer reaches out to me after the offer is accepted. That's okay too, because then I walk them through the process. Okay, your offer was accepted. Did you do an inspection? Um, and once that inspection's complete, the contract will be sent to myself. Um, I explain how the contract's sent. Um, so they understand just everything that's going to happen in the process. Yeah,
0: definitely. And um, well, I'm glad that they're actually reaching out to you early because I feel like it's, it's it's kind of hard to get them to get to that step. a lot Because a lot of first-time homebuyers think, oh, you know, I'll go out, I'll look for the home first, then I'll call the attorney, which in this market is like the wrong game plan to have. It's definitely the wrong game plan to have. Um, but all real estate agents, I'm not agents. All real estate attorneys aren't really created equal, right? So what is what sets you apart from most real estate agents? I keep saying agents. Most real estate attorneys that are that are um, out there right now, because you have an amazing team that work with you as well. So I, shout out to to Angela. Shout out to Anne Marie. I'm not sure if I'm missing anyone on the team, but those are the two that I've been Melissa, working with.
1: Melissa.
0: Oh Melissa. Hi Melissa. I haven't met you yet, but hi Melissa. <laughs> so. I love it. Yeah, let them uh, let the um let the audience know what why is it so important to have a real estate attorney with a team. Listen,
1: it's so in- more and to have a real estate attorney with the team because we are often at closings you know sean you and i we had a closing today um the closing took a little time you know we're waiting for funding approval we're waiting for wires um so during that time you know i'm with the client making sure they feel comfortable they're signing documents um i'm giving them my undivided attention so but at the same time we have contracts coming in we have clients that have questions that they need answered um there are were some accepted offers. So, you know, they wanted to get in contact with the attorney. So it's very important to have a staff of paralegals that are there to help. So I thank God every day for Angela, Amory, Melissa, we have Jasmine. They all help me every day when I am in closings and contract signings, just on a call, a conference call, because our clients are still getting that attention mm. when they can't reach me directly, which is like super important. Um, just in terms of background, I worked as a paralegal for 10 years before I decided to even go to law school. So, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yes. So, that's actually what made me want to go to law school because I was doing all the attorney's work. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, listen, it's time. It's, it's time tenu- to go for it. <laughs> And now let's go for it. So for sure. So um, a lot of times, and most times I know when the case of, of my firm with Melissa, Angela, and, and the rest of the team, uh, and Marie and Jasmine, I mean, they've, they've, been they've done this so and and a lot of times for many many years so speaking to them is as great as speaking to me because you know they have those years of experience Mm -hmm. that you want when you're working with a real estate attorney so yeah it's very important to have a good team so you get your questions answered right away
0: right away right away and that's that's like I said in this market you need that um especially like an agent like me because I like to be in the loop with everything so but go. To, let's go to the background. So you said you were paralegal for ten years prior to yes. you getting your uh, your license. What, yes. uh, what law school did you go to?
1: Toro. Toro oh, on Long Island. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. it's it's funny because you know uh, the questions asked. Well, what law school? For me, it was like really one law school <laughs> because I worked full time. So I worked full
0: time. You don't yeah. have a lot of a lot of attorneys that's going to school and working full time. That's to, to your detriment, yeah. that's, that's amazing. That's it's a crazy. lot of dedication.
1: Yeah. So I said to myself, I said, you know what, I'm working full time as a paralegal, you know, it's kind of like time to go to law school or do something, you know, more than what I'm doing, you know, I felt like I hit like a peak. At the law firm I worked at and you know, I was like, I need something else. So I decided to go to law school, but I also had bills,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: So <laughs> I'm like, I still have to work. It's not like I could just quit and you know, just go to school. Um, because I again going to school after 10 years, you know, you're an adult. This <laughs> is <Yeah. laughs> like you know, I, I, I was living on my own. So, you know, there wasn't the child you know, was probably so- still around. <laughs> <laughs> tyler has been around for 20 years. So, so Tyler was around, which is why I was studying for the bar to sit next to me. So yeah, no, it was, it, it was good. But, um, but yeah, I went to school at night. So I worked full time. I went to school at night. Um, it, going to school at night, um, that, that law school, it was a lot of uh, a, adults, you know, it wasn't a lot of kids, yeah. not a lot of 20 year olds. It was a lot of second careers. There were mm-hmm. doctors, a lot of police officers, um, accountants, just a lot of people that had reached a peak in their career and they wanted something else. So the experience of going to school at night was like amazing. I yeah. loved it. I would create it for the world. It was and I, I honestly felt like at that point in my life, I was like ready for it. So it was like, you know, I worked full time, I went to school at night, I would study till whatever time in the morning and then just wow. do it all over again. But I was ready to do that. I don't know if I would have been ready to do that in my 20s.
0: Yeah. So, and you were already, you were pretty much already doing it. So I'm not going to say it was easier. I'm definitely not yeah. going to say that, but you were more prepared. You already knew yeah. what the game plan was.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, 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 yeah, that's so. What, what got
0: you to being a paralegal? How did you get to that step?
1: Yeah, so, so crazy story, right? So, after high school, I went away to school. I went to the University of Maryland at College Park. I went for two years and I came home and I started to work a retail job that summer. Um, while working that retail job, um, I decided to, you know, it's like, you know what? I, there was a situation where I couldn't go back to school, you know, so it was like, all right, you know what, I'm going to stay in New York. I'm going to, you know, work, and then I'll go to school at night. That was my game plan. So I got a job in a retail store that Mm -hmm. summer. Um, It with the retail store, I opened the store, I closed the store, I worked, you know, midday. I realized, I was like, well, I can't go to school like this because my schedule's all over the place. So I need a full-time job. So there's something called, I mean, I'm probably showing my age, but there's something called the penny saver. I don't know if the, the penny, penny saver, saver still comes out. <laughs> I don't know if the penny saver still comes out. But this was like a um, like a local flyer that you know just was like mailed to your house. And mm-hmm. in the back, there were jobs, right? Like the class boxes <laughs> And so so I was working full time at this um, retail store and I looked and I saw office job, you know, in my area. So I applied, it didn't say it was a law firm. It didn't say anything about the job. It was like
0: (laughs) like a a (laughs) one-liner?
1: office work and I think it said nine to five and for me that nine to five was like that's all I needed to hear because I was like I need a job where I'm not opening closing my schedule all over the place because I want to go back to school so I applied for the job it literally was like fax your resume I happen to have a fax machine in my house I fax my resume like so old, definitely telling my age right now so I um over they called me like the next day can you come and they gave me the address the address of the place was right across the street from my retail job so oh, I wow. didn't even know like yeah so in the classified it was just like the fax number and just like office work so it didn't say it was a law firm didn't provide an address it said it was you knew because it was in the pennies the local penny saver that it was local that was local yeah. you didn't Happen to be across the street, crazy story. Wow. So now, um, and I find out it's a law firm. I go, I interview, I get, um, I get hired on the spot to be a bookkeeper's assistant in a law firm. So I was like, oh, this is nine to five, no problem. So now I work the nine to five, but then I don't apply to school right away. I just work the nine to five, and I work my retail job at night and only. Oh, so weekend. you kept
0: the retail job.
1: I kept the retail job. So now I start working nine to five, nine to five. And then I'm like, you know what? This is like a career. Mm-hmm. So um, so I make it from being a bookkeeper's assistant. Then I became like a paralegal assistant. Next thing you know, they're like, okay, now you're a paralegal. Next thing you know, I'm a managing paralegal. So I just kind of you know, worked my way up at this law firm. And I felt like that was my career. So I, you know, I was like, I'm a, I'm a paralegal. That's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And I also, you know, I'm working this retail job. And at that point I started to work as a makeup artist at the, for the. Re- <laughs> so I was like, you was, this is
0: you, cool. you had your hand in everything at one point. Huh? Was
1: so, yeah. And I love this. So I did all of that for, you know, for 10 years, I was like, you know what, I'm a paralegal, I'm a makeup artist. I'm, you know, and this is what I'm doing. Um, so remember, I said I went to school for, for only two years. Mm-hmm. So at year eight, I at the law firm as a paralegal, I said, you know what? I just wanna go back to school to get my bachelor's. That's all I wanted. I was like, you know, I'm still a paralegal, whatever. I just wanna get my bachelor's. So once I, I enrolled in school, um, all my credits transfer, everything, all I needed to do was two years and really like a year and a half if I went through the summer. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to do that. Once I got in school, I love school so much. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to law school. <laughs> <I was laughs> just school randomly, school.
0: I'm going to law school. I'm just gonna, I was just like, gonna I'm going it. to
1: law school. I kind of had it in the back of my mind because I was doing all the attorney's work mm-hmm. and I just felt like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I. You know, like I would do, I was doing litigation at some point. So I would do like the motions and then the attorneys got to go to court to argue the case. And I was like, oh, so it
0: wasn't, so you weren't a parable legal in a a real estate law attorney. You were doing, what kind of, what kind of law were you, were you?
1: Yeah, no, I was doing real estate, but I was doing foreclosure. So I represented faith. Yeah. No. Say, so represented banks and foreclosure actions. So, like the big banks, you know, the biggest banks you can think of that were mm-hmm. foreclosing on people's homes. And so, and and yeah, that's actually how I got into what I'm doing now because that completely sucked.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. that's, that's tough. That's
1: that's yeah. tough. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I was litigation um, for for a while. And then um, that litigation, you know, you would do all the paperwork, the motions, all of that, and then you'd send the attorney off to go to court to argue the case. I'm like, I want to go to court. So <laughs> I was like, why can't I go to court? I did everything anyway. And they're calling me anyway, asking me what they should say. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want to go to law school. So that's what happened. So once, once I got back in school to get my bachelor's, um, it, it, it was so just fun at that point. I was That's like, well, I'm just gonna go to law school. So I went to law school and it was it was great. It was wow. Great.
0: You, you are a hustler. You are <laughs> and that explains a lot about you. You are a hustler. All right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I, I said, story. I haven't told that story in a while. <laughs>
0: I told you it was gonna be I told you this was gonna be a little different. I'm going, I already know the pet's name, I know Tyler, me and Tyler are cool. I, I know everything already. <laughs> so let's get to get back into real estate right that's why we that's why we're here but um so there's there's a huge difference between representing the seller in the transaction representing the buyer in the transaction right you already explained the buyer side like the initial phone call how that works now back to the seller side what do you usually what questions are you usually asked when you're representing the seller in the transaction at the initial phone call
1: yeah, so the seller just really wants to know how much money they're getting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just about the bottom line. That's all I care about. Oh, oh,
1: oh. No, so, so representing the seller, the seller kind of runs the transaction. And so the seller's attorney prepares the contract um, that's sent over to the buyer's attorney. Um, and the seller really, I mean, once they're in contract, they can really kind of sit back, pack, you, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, get their, get their lives in order, figure out where they're moving, <laughs> you know, at that point, because the buyer has to, you know, a lot of times they're taking a mortgage. So the is applying for a mortgage, the buyer is, you know, buyer's attorney orders the title report and ensuring that, you know, title is clear. So, so the buyer has a little bit more to do on their end. So the seller, you know, they enter into contract and then what they want to do is order their payoff. So if there's a mortgage on the property, they'll have to order a payoff. So when you're selling a property, it's important to know the things that you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. And so you're responsible for, of course, clearing any title exceptions. So there could be things such as, you know, maybe your fence is within your property line. So those things can come up on the title report, on the survey. So maybe you mm-hmm. have to- Right. So maybe you have to get a affidavit from a neighbor neighbor just indicating that, you know, hey, I won't claim rights to that portion of the property that, you know, where the fence is, is incorrectly located. Um, maybe you'll have to work with a prior... Um, prior on a prior mortgage, maybe you refinanced and a mortgage was paid off, but the mortgage is still showing of record. Um, If it's still on record, you may have to call that prior mortgage company and get, you know, a satisfaction of mortgage. So on the seller's end, if there are no title issues, you kind of just order a payoff letter and then you wait until the sell the buyer's Approved for a mortgage and title's clear, um, but again, if there are some title issues, then those title issues have to be cleared okay. um, by the seller.
0: Now, the payoff yeah. the payoff is ordered as soon as you as soon as the contract is fully executed. That's how that's how quick it's ordered.
1: Ideally, it is. So you have an idea of how much money is coming back to you. So I like to tell the seller when we sign the contract, hey, just order a payoff letter good through as far out as the bank will allow, which is usually about 30 days. I'll tell them to order a payoff. So at least we know Um, sellers also in addition to paying off that mortgage, they have to pay New York State transfer tax. And if the property is located in one of the five boroughs in New York City, they also pay New York City transfer tax. So you take into account the fact that they have a mortgage to pay off. They have um, New York State and New York City transfer tax. Mm -hmm. They have real estate commissions to pay an attorney fee and some title closer fees uh, called pickup fees. Those are all the fees associated with selling your home. So Mm -hmm. we like to get all those numbers together so the seller has an idea of how much they're netting at the closing. So on the seller's end, that's really what we're working on while we're waiting for the bank to approve the buyer's mortgage.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know what's um, what's really interesting? Most people don't realize that you have to order... To title for the, the buyer and the seller are both ordering title and a lot of people don't don't realize that going into the you know into the deal um now title always has to be clear well so title always should be clear there should be no violations on the title nothing of that sort um yeah
1: so the buyer, the buyer's attorney orders the title report, but in terms of clearing title, both the seller and the buyer are working to ensure that title's cleared. So the title is ordered only by the buyer because mm-hmm. the buyer ultimately is getting title insurance. Yeah, that's um, what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're great. Um, amazing. Yeah, the buyer and the seller—they're both working with the title company, but it's the buyer's title company that the seller is working with. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And, and title could be
0: interesting. I had a um a transaction uh maybe a year and a half ago. Um, the a lady was selling her home. She was moving to Memphis, and her ex-husband was still something with him was still on the title, but mm-hmm. they were divorced for like twenty years. So yeah. That, find him in wherever he was at he had to get an affidavit sign it it was a mess and and, yeah it was it was a total mess and they 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 were not on the best of terms so that 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 conversation was just was was very interesting
1: (laughs) yeah there there are things that come up um like that and you know, you you just have to kind of deal with them. You want to sell the property. So sometime, you know, you get you get a little pushback, you know, why do I have to call? Like I'm sure in that case, what do you mean we've been divorced yeah, for 25 years? You've heard all years.
0: the business. All the
1: business. Why do, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why do I have to call? Why is that my job? You know, so and it's it's fine. You want to sell your house, you'll get it done. And they always, you know, you always get it done. So So it's good, it's good. But yeah, some strange things come up on titles sometimes, and
0: and 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 it could be like a confusion with if you have a common name that could come up as well. I've noticed that um, if you have a a real com like like a like a I don't know I don't want to say anyone's name.
1: Gary Smith. uh, Yeah, Gary
0: Smith. And there's fifty Gary Smiths in the town of East Meadow. You have to figure out go down the line and, and 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 check off the boxes.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the truth because the title company just runs what's called a name search. And so if you have a common name, your title report may be, you know, 100 pages because it's the, the you know, the, the the common name, they're running a name search. So most judgments or pretty much every judgment is attached to a property. So what we do, we contact the client and say, hey, Mary or Gary Smith, Gary Smith, have you ever lived at X address? If they say no, then at closing, you just sign an affidavit saying these hundred judgments are not me because I never lived at all these addresses Gary Smith's judgments are associated with. Have yep, you ever had a
0: situation a- where the person said it wasn't them and it actually was?
1: Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> nah, how does I was something like
0: that happen?
1: You know what's so crazy? So like um, when we talk about, um, you know, a seller, the seller, um, it's easy to pretty much know if it is them or not, right? Mm -hmm. Because the the judgment is attached to the property that they're selling. And so you know it's them because they're selling that property and Mm -hmm. the judgment's attached to the property. But I had a couple of situations where they said, oh, it's not me, it's not me. But when we get to the closing, the title closer has their ID, their driver's license. Mm -hmm. And the driver's license is not the same address that they're selling. It's a prior address, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But they said that they didn't live at that address. But the title closer, (laughs) cool. Yeah. And so... (laughs) So that's happened a couple of times. <laughs> it's like you got—they're like, "Well, this isn't the same ad, you know. This isn't mm-hmm. the address that we're selling." But I get it. But you said it's not you, and it's clearly you. I mean, get a new, uh, update yeah, get an updated, updated ID
0: idea. If you if you're gonna do that, that should be that should be the first sign to look into your wallet. I have to change. I'm changing this before we close. So how? Yes, so what happens exactly. in that situation is the closing postponed? Like, how do you not even- that?
1: Yeah. No, not necessarily. Um, a lot of times judgments, because things such as like parking tickets become judgments or red light tickets now become ju- judgments. So a lot of t- uh, credit cards, you know, become Child judgments. Support, stuff like that. Yeah. Things like that. So a lot of times or most times the judgments that are not attached to the actual property that's being sold are minor judgments. So anytime that's happened, it's been like, an old credit card. Cause remember, these are like, it's attached to an old address. So it's like an old credit card, it's an old parking ticket. And so what the title company usually does is collects double. So the title bill will just go up. So say, you know, it's $300, you know, the title company will collect $600 just until either you pay it off. They'll give you like 30 days to pay it off. Either you pay it off as the seller after the closing or the title company will get a payoff and just pay it off and then return the balance to you because maybe it was originally three hundred dollars and now because of interest it's four hundred dollars and you get your remaining two hundred dollars back.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah. Okay, that's good. So we know. always
1: so listen if you're going
0: to lie about if you're going to lie about something, make sure you yeah. you cover those tracks before you close.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely for sure. That's that's okay. interesting. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, that's funny.
1: Definitely. Um,
0: so now back to the the real estate contract itself. So now yes. you both parties enter enter into contract. There's a closing date that's stipulated in the contract. Now you usually have what 45 days to get the commitment. For right. Contract, right.
1: Um Absolutely. you have
0: the commitment. Now you're on that you're close to the closing date. Yeah. Um what I what I like to explain to my buyers or whoever prior to going in, I'm like, listen, you have an on or about date. So you have a 30 day window that you can stretch out this deal if you need to. Now, so now you exercise that on or about date, you're past that, that window. What's next? If, if, if you're having issues with funding, something, something comes up, what is the next step for someone after that on or about date?
1: Okay, so um, so after the contract, what we say expires, quote unquote, so you have an on or about date. So just to explain what an on or about date is, if you have a contract with an on or about date of, say, today's date, February, February, February 18th, right? Um, your contract is on or about February 18th. Say you're purchasing a property, you're clear for a mortgage, the seller is still living there and not ready to go the seller may say, listen, I'm going to exercise my right to extend the date another 30 days. That's what on or about means. Honor or about means you can close anytime up to 30 days after the stated date in the contract. So if the stated date in the contract is February 18th, both parties have until March 18th to close, right? So if the buyer is ready to close and say the seller isn't ready to close. Now we're at March 18th. Mm -hmm. The buyer can serve or the seller also either party can serve what's called a time of the essence letter. That time of the essence letter demands a closing date. So you want to send it out at least 10 days out. Mm -hmm. Most attorneys like to send it 30 days out. And so this oh, is did, actually you,
0: you would give it another 30 days. I didn't know you could stretch it out that long.
1: You can stretch out as long as you want. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so the party that's that's uh, that's serving the time of the essence letter can, you know, a lot of times the seller understands that it's really just the bank that's mm-hmm. causing the delay. So the seller is going to, you know, maybe serve a time of the essence letter giving 30 days. The, uh, minimum 10 days, because you want to, what case law says is that you have to give a reasonable time. A reasonable time is not five days. It's not really seven days, at least 10 days. You can serve it 10 days, 15 days. Now the attorney always is going to reject the letter. They're Mm. going to say, listen, you know what's happening here. My client isn't intentionally delaying this. My client has the same interest in that they want to rid themselves of this property, or you know, proceed with the purchase of the property, but depending on what side they're on, mm-hmm. but there are obstacles that are in the way. So the attorney will reject the letter, but that's definitely a means of accelerating the closing, um, serving a time of the essence letter. Now, when that date comes up in the time of the essence letter, even if it's rejected, um, you can then, uh, if you're representing, say, a a buyer, Mm -hmm. right, the buyer serves the time of the essence letter on the seller, you can then demand the return of your down payment back saying, listen, you're in default, I gave you another 10 days, 15 days, you know, I want my down payment back, I want to get out of this contract. Most buyers aren't going to do that. They're just going to wait, because Mm -hmm. usually, the seller wants to sell the house. Usually it's a case that the seller just needs a couple of more days just to get, you know, the last bit of things together um, in terms of maybe moving, maybe closing on their new home. So a lot of times a buyer isn't going to walk away. Um, and then if a seller serves a time of the essence letter on a buyer, sometime that actually helps the mortgage company. It pushes the mortgage company. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly actually push the loan to clear it to close Mm -hmm. so the time of the essence letters really kind of work wonders in that if we do get to a point where the contract is essentially expired or stale um that's going to push one side to kind of wake up and get this file closed that's nice so
0: what will happen on a buyer side so say the buyer issued a time a time of the essence letter to the seller for some reason, they're they're just prolonging. I've seen situations where, at the end of when closing is supposed to happen, now they they get emotionally attached to the house again. I don't know if I really want to sell it. Maybe we shouldn't have done this. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. now the the buyer's rate lock expires, right? Can they demand? Yeah. Or I'm pretty sure an attorney like you, Miss Crystal Young, would say, "Listen, someone's paying for this rate lock extension. <laughs> would you put that on the seller?" And have you ever had any success at uh, getting them to pay for that rate lock extension, or is that usually just like, "All right, I don't want to pay. I'm not going to pay for this extension. I'm just going to sell a house now."
1: Yeah. So there's really nothing in the contract that demands that if a seller has to pay, sellers just like listen. I'm selling bank and you decide to, you know, to, to get in a situation where you have to extend your, your rate lock, then we're not responsible for that. That's usually the position the seller holds. Um, but a lot of times, I mean, the sellers, if they're kind of good people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what I'd say, um, they will, they understand, you know, especially if they're the ones that are kind of holding it up, they'll, they'll understand that, listen, you know, the right thing to do is to pay maybe $1,000 towards the, um, the buyer's rate lock. Um, it, are they obligated to? No. But I'll, I've seen, you know, a good number of times where they said, listen, we feel bad. We wanted to close. We thought we were going to close by now, but circumstances have gotten in the way. We feel bad. So, yeah, you know what? We are going to give you $1,000, but there's nothing usually contractually that requires that.
0: So you just have, it's just basically if that person's a, a genuinely good person, he'll do it.
1: Basically. <laughs> yeah, it was, it
0: was a good heart. <laughs> yeah. I've had situations where a lot of the, time- the, the seller was ready to sell. I was representing the seller. Was ready to sell. And they, they were moving to North Carolina. And day of closing came. And they're like, well, we're not leaving yet. I, we want to stay an additional week. We're going to close today. But we want to stay an additional week. And everybody's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Well, we didn't pack anything. Um, The, the moving truck is not coming until five days out. And they were actually given pushback yeah. as far as giving you know, paying per day, because that's what, that's what usually, what usually happened in that situation, right? You would tell them, you're basically going to be paying me rent for the next seven days. It's just so many yeah. crazy and so scenarios. We don't,
1: Yeah, definitely. So we, we don't call it rent because rent is something that's paid when there's a landlord tenant relationship and you're not a landlord. You're just allowing a pretty much a guest. Mm. to stay in your home at that point. So there is a provision in a New York state contract that's it's called a post possession clause. What it says is that a seller is allowed up to five to seven days to remain in the property, um, but they have to pay your mortgage per diem. And so your mortgage, because you start paying your mortgage whether you know it or not from the day you close Mm -hmm. the mortgage interest something that comes right out of your loan. And so what the seller would essentially have to do is pay that prorated uh, daily per diem, like that, that monetary value, it's maybe $50, whether it's $90, whatever it is. So they're paying that for each day. Yes, sometimes sellers will say, listen, I will close, but and remain in the property, but I don't want to pay you your mortgage per diem interest mm-hmm. for you know that daily rate. Um, at that point the buyer can decide, you know, how important is it for them to to close? <laughs> um, you know, because th- that's something we have to consider too. You know, do you want your rate lock to expire and you have to then pay rate lock extension fees? Or do you want to close now before your rate lock expires and allow the seller, you know, three or five days to remain in the property? Um, Now, do you hold money in escrow?
0: Would would that be another thing that you hold money in escrow for?
1: Of course, yeah, you hold money in escrow because what you're going to do if the seller decides to remain in the property, you're going to do what's called a walkthrough on the morning of closing, but then you're doing a walkthrough, you're testing plumbing, heating, electrical, but you can't then say that the house is vacant and broom swept because Mm -hmm. the seller's remaining in the property. So now you do a second inspection of the property once the seller moves out. And that's the importance of the money that's held in escrow, such that If you go and do that inspection, the seller has left, you know, trash in the garage and the Mm -hmm. attic, and then you have to pay for dumpsters and things like that. That money comes from the escrow account, the seller's attorney's escrow account to reimburse you for what you had to lay out as a result of the seller's negligence. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, this all. So much information, yeah, it's a lot to take in.
0: It's a lot to take in. <laughs> I've, I've, um, I don't know if, if you have experienced this in the past um few months, especially with this crazy market. These crazy um numbers that are going out, right? So, people are offering 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars over axing. and yeah. I'm noticing a lot of people are waving appraisal contingencies. I know,
1: which is but, you know, that's nuts.
0: Yeah, uh, to me, that is it's, absolutely nuts. It's,
1: it's nuts. <laughs> it's, so it's
0: crazy. do, do yeah. you, have you had a situation where, so say they went over $30,000, the appraisal mm-hmm. came back and it was a $20,000 difference. Is, has the, the buyer actually been obligated to come up that 20 or like, what is, what is your ex- experience been in that situation? Has the, has the sellers pretty much like, you know what, I'm not going to make you come up twenty thousand dollars out of your pocket. We'll we we'll have even ground, or because you you're in this every day. So what what have you seen when, when people yeah. wave, they mortgage they appraisal contingencies?
1: I know it's it's, <laughs> it's yeah they're crazy. waving we appraisal, not,
0: they're waving inspection, they're waving. And I'm like this is nuts. I
1: know this is the market we're in. Of course, as an attorney, you don't. <laughs> like this at all. This is not something we've really experienced in the past um, that, you know, buyers are putting in offers well over asking and then saying, well, I'll pay the difference no matter what the appraisal comes back at. This is all, you know, and I've been doing this for a while. Age yourself. We're
0: not going to age yourself. We've only been yeah. doing this for five years.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. We've been doing this a while. And this is all, this is, this is definitely new. Um, and so, so I don't like it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. as an attorney, because, you know, the, you're putting, you know, the, the buyers putting themselves in a situation where no matter what it appraises for, you still have to move forward. And if you don't move forward, then you're going to lose your down payment. And so, um, and a lot of times the down payment is so significant Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, it, it would not even make an attorney feel comfortable um, agreeing to that, you know, mm-hmm. on behalf of their clients, but, you know, buyers are, are you know, that's, that's what they want to do. And our role as a attorney is not really to, you know, to, to force a client to go one way or another. Mm-hmm. It's to really explain and educate, you know, what the ramifications would be in the various scenarios so i've had clients in think i'm in knock on wood been very lucky that the house has appraised or that it came very close to the dollar amount and like all parties are like shocked like oh my i (laughs) i didn't didn't think it would but thank god it did and so so that's been the experience (laughs) recently that um and if it didn't appraise they were prepared that it would appraise for what it appraised for, and so they were prepared to come up an extra ten thousand. I haven't had a situation where there's been such a shock that they're, you know, they're like, "Whoa, this property appraised for you know a hundred thousand yeah. dollars plus." We weren't prepared for that. Have not had that yet, thankfully. <laughs> but um, but but it's you're you're definitely taking a, a gamble. Risk, yeah. A risk, so I I don't like it. You have to be prepared if it does come well under to be prepared to potentially lose the down payment. So mm-hmm. it is like gambling, and 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 I'm not a gambler. So no, neither
0: am I. I like I like having my money. I don't I don't like paying my money. <laughs> no way. I, I had a client yeah. yesterday that went sixty thousand dollars over the asking price for a house, and I said, bro. This is not yeah. going to appraise. I get it. Oh, you've been you've yeah. gone through this. You you keep losing yeah. out your bids. You're going through bidding wars. Yeah. Don't do this to yeah. yourself. It's not worth no. it. It's really, really, really not worth it at the end of the day. But yeah. you know, he they listened to me. Thank, thank goodness, because yeah. because no way this thing was going to appraise sixty thousand dollars over the auction price. No way. Um, and What's
1: crazy is I've been you know remember I was on the other side of this and the, the foreclosure. So side. when the market crashed, I was like in the midst of, of, you know, working and representing banks and foreclosure actions. And, and it was just, it was so just a, a terrible time for like a lot of people. And so that's something that I think about a lot when, um, you know, the $60,000 over asking and things like that. Um, if it, even if you can afford $60,000 over asking, you know, and it appraises for $60,000 under, do you want to be that much underwater, let's yeah. say? Yeah. You know, in the case of what happens if, the what ifs, you know? Yeah, if, because if,
0: eventually if everyone to- thinks I'm going to be in this house forever. Nothing's ever going to happen, but life happens. And exactly, well, you know what? You never hear from a real estate attorney's point on this matter? What do you, because you've seen the other side, how, what is your projection of this, this crazy market that we're in? Because it's going to go south eventually. Yeah. Do you you see like those foreclosures happening again? Do you think a lot of people are just going to be underwater? Do you think this bubble is just going to just pop? What, What is your, your take on that?
1: Yeah. And so I've spoken to a lot of attorneys just to kind of see, you know, what, their take on it is as well. And I think a lot of us um, feel that, you know, and I can't talk for everyone, but um, we feel that there may be, you know, sort of what happened, but not to that extent Mm -hmm. Um, because of, you know, at, in 2000, what was it? 2006,
0: 2006, 2007.
1: Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. During that time, um, what happened is that a lot of, of our buyers were taking adjustable rate loans and then those, uh, those, those, those uh, uh, interest rates started to adjust at year five or six or seven or whatever it was. Um, and then they couldn't afford their mortgage. And so that's kind of what happened. And also, you know, banks were, anyone could get a loan at that time. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't even really have to show income. And so that's why that mortgage crisis happened at that time. Now we're talking about maybe putting in offers, you know, well over asking and all. So it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. The interest rates are so low, they're fixed. You know, it's, you know, is it going to be that kind of like, it's, it, we're not really in that wow, wow West in the sense that we were then. In mm-hmm. um, that the, again, anyone could get a mortgage Any you didn't even have to show income, adjustable rate loans, all of this. You kind of was waiting for something waiting to, happen. For to happen. Yeah. You knew at some point someone wouldn't be able to pay their mortgage because they never even had to show income in the first place. Now the banking industry is so regulated that, you know, I don't think it's ever going to get to where it was, but Um, there's a chance that, you know, what, you know, what they say, what goes up must must come come down, down. perhaps, but (laughs) knock on wood, I just don't think it's going to be as, um, you know, horrifying as it was back back in those those years past, because um, we're kind of doing things a little different. It's it's really just this appraisal thing that really creates that uneasiness mm-hmm. for us. Because we know, like you said, Sean, there are um, situations that occur that, you know, now it's time to sell your house, but now you're underwater. Yeah, so
0: you're underwater,
1: yeah. we foresee, you know, more short sales and things of that nature.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I'm glad to get your take on that because I I've never heard a real estate attorney actually give their perspective. So that thank you for for that for yeah, your insight because of you, you've seen all the cycles. Well, to get back on a happier note, yes, yes,
1: yes. So
0: I met Crystal, right? Well, let me let me let me let me tell you how Crystal came in my like social medias like sphere. Whatever. so I'm going through social media and I'm I keep seeing these boomerangs. I'm like, who is this real estate attorney? Every time I'm seeing people posting these boomer, I'm like, I got to get in one of these boomer. I'm not even a boomerang guy. That's not even my thing, but I got to be in the mix, right? So I said, I have to reach out to her. I think, um, I think it's been almost a year. I think I, we met each other pre, yeah, it was, it was right before um, COVID, right?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Uh, yeah. And we just started like really doing business now, but how did you start on your social media journey?
1: Yeah. So, so the social media journey, I mean, for, for a real estate attorney or any attorney, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're told not to advertise or do any, you know, so you have, you know, there's all these rules and regulations as an attorney. It's so told not
0: to advertise I, at all.
1: Not like, at I mean, all not, not no,
0: advertise no, at all, but
1: yeah, yeah, it's just, um, it's regulated. So the okay. things you have to say and the things you have to put. Po- so at first... I, I always wanted to post you know pictures of the clients. I always took pictures with the clients. Um, so what I never did because I was like, well, I got to find out what the rules and regulations and you know and and just in posting and do I have to get a consent sign form and you know and all of that. But then over time, you know, the um, I would take the picture and sometimes the clients would post the picture and like tag me and then maybe I repost them, whatever. And I was like, you know what? And so it started really with pictures. So I would just post the picture of me and we pose whatever. And then when Boomerang came out, I think I just did it with one client and we posted a Boomerang we were just doing it. And I was like, that's fun. Next thing <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, maybe I'll attach this to music. You know, I downloaded an app and I, d- I would download music and and then I would attach it to music, and and post it and write a little thing. And so now it's kind of like a gift to the clients. Yeah. Like the clients look forward do to it. Do they come it. in? I mean, do
0: they come in looking for that?
1: Is it, sometimes, if they know that I do it, a lot mm-hmm. of times the agent gives them, a, or maybe the mortgage professional, whoever referred them over, sometimes give them a heads up. Like, listen, <laughs> don't show up to the closing with sweatpants because Chris is going to do the boomerang. And I like, almost what? showed up in
0: sweatpants today. So good thing I didn't show up in sweatpants.
1: Exactly. So, <laughs> so they'll. Kill I never really say anything, but sometimes they're like, "Oh, you know," I'll say, "All right, so now we do this thing, you know, and we'll, you know, go up front and like and take a hit and do the boomerang." Um, and then they're like, oh, you know, Sean told us that, you know, you were going to want to do something like this. So <laughs> it's cool. You saw it today in our closing. It was great because, you know, I asked the client, well, what song do you want me to use mm-hmm. that you know, is fitting for how you're feeling about buying your And that's song? a great
0: touch. I, I, you, you just yeah. started doing the songs, right? I don't think you,
1: yeah, it hasn't no, been that yeah. long. Right. Exactly. Now listen, with TikTok, I mean shout out to TikTok. It takes it takes me a half a second just to, you know, to to post add a song, do a search for the song, and then just I send it to the client right there in like 30 seconds after we do it and they're always so excited. Like I love when they're like hitting play as they're packing up and they're like just watching it. The kids are like all excited. So that's like, that, I mean, that literally is like icing on the cake for me, you know? They, it's like, not only did they buy their first home or they, they're, they just sold their home and they're moving, you know to retire in mm-hmm. Florida or whatever. It's like now to see them, you know, smile and like do a little dance with me at the end to like celebrate that they just closed. That like, it really just like makes my day. It's like my favorite part. So yeah, yeah it just happened, you know, just just over time, it just turns into a thing. So.
0: <laughs> now you're the boomerang attorney. <laughs>
1: yeah, now I'm the boomerang attorney. I know what's what's so fun is sometimes you know turn You don't always know who's following you on social media, you know. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'm in a close, you know, I show up at a closing, and the other attorney will say oh my God, you're the attorney that does the boomerang. (laughs) They recognize you as the attorney that does the boomerang. And Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, they'll either say, oh, don't ask me to be in it. By the time we get to the end of the They're
0: asking for it.
1: That's the best part to get everyone, because the clients, of course, you want the clients in when we're celebrating, but for the buyers, let's say, to have the bank attorney in the boomerang, the, you know, Mm -hmm. both, Realtors, the seller, because that's something they're going to have forever. forever. Like when do you ever have a picture with the person you just bought? You just bought their house. Yeah. You know, the, the seller, the bank attorney, the title closer. You'll never remember these people in 30 years, but now mm. you have the boomerang. So that's kind of like my gift, and it's fun. And I like it. And it for me it's memories as well. So yeah,
0: that's amazing. Now, do you, yeah. do you actually, well, you only put them in your story, so you don't really like keep, keep those for too long. You don't archive them too long. What is, um, yeah, no,
1: they're all archived. They were all in my, my Instagram. <laughs> Yes, and now I'm doing more hard posts so we can always look back, but they're, okay. and they're all in oh. my phone. So I got to put them <laughs> on <Snapchat. laughs> They're all in the cloud.
0: <laughs> you know, what's very interesting. And I, I'm not sure if, if we had this conversation already. We've yeah. met prior to our our conversation last year at a closing, um, I think you okay. represented the, yeah, you represented the buyer on that side. I represented the seller. I don't know if you remember that. It was with um another agent, Jim. Jim was the, um she was the agent representing the buyer on that one. Okay, And it took me okay. forever to realize, I'm like, I know I seen her. So this is before you was doing boomerangs, by the way. So this, yes. I was like, right. I, I know I seen his face before, Um, I was like, "Oh, that was her at the at the um at the closing." But it's crazy how life just comes full circle.
1: It really did. The boomerang,
0: the boomerang was fun.
1: (laughs) You were in the boomerang (laughs) today, so I can't wait to post it and tag you.
0: (laughs) What um what is your real estate journey going? Not real estate journey. What is your social media journey like? What's next for Crystal Young? Just in general, like what's what's the next step?
1: Yeah. So. When, with regards to social media, I mean, you and I just had a conversation about this. I love what you're doing with the podcast. I think this is amazing. So I'm so proud of you that you're you. you're taking the next step. Um, for me, with real estate now and and as it relates to social media, I want to now move from I'll always do the boomerangs because of the obvious. You can't, you can't go away from. Right. It. You have to. But now I really want to give more value to to to. Everyone, you know, and free game, Crystal.
0: That's why I call it the free game podcast.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, because you you really see it's not for me, it's not about becoming some internet sensation or anything mm-hmm. like that, social media, you know, mogul. But <laughs> it's really about, you know, now you just kind of want to educate because these are conversations, the conversations Sean, you and I are having about, you know, what are the next steps in the process? What's the role of an attorney? Those are things that people really don't know. A lot of times, the first time you're ever interacting with an attorney, unless you've been trouble with the law um is really you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you there's you really don't have a need let's say for an attorney until something happens Mm -hmm. so now you know, when you go to buy a house, a lot of times it's the first time you're even, even working with an attorney. So why do I need an attorney? One, because, you know, I am I in trouble? <laughs> no, I don't get it. You know, I sign contracts all the time, your cell phone contract and all of this. Mm. I don't need an attorney. Why do I need an attorney to buy a house? So I want to kind of talk about those things and also to show that attorneys can be relatable. You know, I didn't even think that um an attorney could be relatable mm-hmm. when before I started personally working for a law firm like when I started working for a law firm I was so intimidated I was like oh I'm working with attorneys because you know you just yeah, you get
0: that image of stiff and you know suit and always serious mm-hmm. yeah
1: for sure so I just want to make it as comfortable as possible you know a lot of times you know people maybe make fun of me my, uh, you know, people in my office, I'm like, yeah, girl, you know, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, girl, you know, so when I'm talking to them you know, I'm like, yes, you know, like just almost like they're, you know, Like, we're friends, you know. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I have a very important role in making sure you're legally protected, but I also don't want to talk to you all stiff. It's not even my personality to do so, you know. So, we're just know I'm going to get the job done like any attorney, but we also can talk and you can talk to me and, like, yeah, girl, listen, I'm stressed. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, girl, I get it. Because when (laughs) I bought my house, I was stressed too, you know, and to like have those kind of conversations that are, you know, just, um, just, just, just very earth. So, I want to show more of that on my social media too. That you know, That's it cool. doesn't have intimidating working with. It. That's where I'm going with it. That's yeah. cool. I can't. I can't sure. wait
0: to see that journey. You're going to be amazing at it. I know you're going to be amazing at it. Just that smile is always is so like. Welcoming, it's it's gonna be dope. I, I can't wait mm-hmm. to see the journey with that stuff. <laughs> I really can't. You. Um, you know, there's a, a question. I was like, yeah. I have
1: to ask. Have to ask Following you. I
0: have to actually, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, so I'm not sure if this, if you, if this conversation has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me a lot. If you, so you have a couple, right? They're not yeah. married, nothing like that. They're purchasing a the property together. Yeah. They're going into this thing together. I've always had people yeah. pull me to the side, like Sean, sure, come here, let me ask you a question, or they're purchasing it together yeah. but there's only one person on the mortgage I think you know where I'm going with this yeah um, they always ask like how, how yes. do I protect myself <laughs> because this may not last forever that you're not wishing that it don't last forever but things yes. happen and I was telling listen you can put yourself on the deed yes. how does that process usually work for someone to go on the deed like when do they do it like how, how are those steps usually taken yeah so
1: Ideally, the person that's on the mortgage is supposed to be on the deed. So, But the person that's on the note, so you can have one person on the note and two people on the mortgage. The mortgage is the security in the property. So we, when we say mortgage, we think of that's the person that owes the debt. That's the person that's on the note. The person that's on the note owes the debt. The person's or persons that are on the mortgage are the persons that are really supposed to be the owners of the property. So the mortgage and the deed are supposed to match. Um, Now, how do you protect yourself? Um, We have, you know, uh, two buyers, uh, not married. Um, You definitely both, if you're contributing to this property um, financially, Uh, maybe, you know, a portion of the down payment comes from, you know, both parties, then you both definitely want to be on the deed. Um, If for whatever reason, you can't be on the mortgage and the deed, you want to enter into a separate agreement that says that, you know, listen, I've contributed this amount towards this purchase of this house. And, you know, obviously, I want to recover that amount in the case of a when, when, up, does
0: that happen? Know? when is that so, that that um that document signed?
1: That would that needs to be signed as soon as that money <laughs> leaves <laughs> one account to go to the next <laughs> before that money leaves one account to go to the next. But ideally for you know for us attorneys, we like to see that any party that has interest in that property um is on the mortgage and the deed. They don't have to be on the note because maybe their credit or whatever they could be a non you know contributing uh, uh, borrower and mm-hmm. so that person would be on the mortgage and the deed. So now in the case that the house was to be sold because of you know a relationship that has now fallen apart, um, then now both parties will recover now 50 50. Now, if the agreement isn't a 50-50 split, mm-hmm. then the deed should be generated in the way that it's 1%, 99%, 49%, 51%. <laughs> and so percentage, I know.
0: That's it's, just petty. It's, it's, <laughs> it, <laughs> That's petty.
1: I know, it's, it's crazy, it's crazy. But, but it's done. I mean, most times it's 99%, 1% in the case that there's, because sometimes we have a case where someone, you're using someone's uh, just their income because mm-hmm. you can't qualify on your own, but really it's just your property. So you're using their income. In that case, it's like 1% for the person using their income and then 99% for the person's actually going to be responsible. But again, the case of a, a boyfriend girlfriend relationship, you wanna enter into some sort of an agreement or both parties should absolutely be on that deed um, with percentages attached to it or not. If percentages aren't attached to it, then it's deemed 50-50. And that's how the proceeds will be split at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, listen, I know that's Bay. I know I know you and Love is Lame and all that now, but you better get attached to something because I've yes. seen it. I know Crystal's probably seen it. It goes south and it gets ugly. It gets
1: really Terrible, ugly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know know. yeah there are so many stories where you know when you're you don't always consider and so you know they're they're very important because you never know what will happen in the future Mm -hmm. definitely definitely
0: all right miss crystal young i think that's
1: all the questions i have for you I awesome I, I
0: appreciate your time
1: this is yes, awesome sean i'm so proud of all that you're doing good luck with your podcast Thank good you. luck with your real estate you're out here killing it and i'm so proud of you keep doing it in Thank any you. way i can be of assistance uh, of I course i will I'm,
0: listen when, once this whole covid thing is um over behind us hopefully soon i want to do maybe some seminars with you maybe some first time homebuyers we could get in front of you know we could, we could get in yeah. front of some people and really teach them about just this 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 thing called real estate, right? So they can start generating some, some generational wealth and really start ownership. I'm all about ownership. I want everyone to own as much as they can, if they can afford it. And if not, we'll, you know, get to those steps eventually. But thank you. I'm so proud of you as well. I had my first boomerang today. I'm like cemented in like the hall of fame. <laughs> I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Definitely.
1: So, so make sure I tag you. <laughs> thank you.
0: Well, tell everyone how they could um actually reach out to you. If you look for a real estate attorney, I recommend Crystal all the time. All, all, all the time. She didn't pay me to say that mm-hmm. either. Um, she's the best. How can they reach out to you, Crystal?
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome, Sean. Thank you so much. So um you can find me on social media outlets. I'm Crystal Young, but my Instagram is at crystal.younglaw. You can also reach me at my office, 631-423-9700. I'm crystal at suruslaw.com. And so yeah, you can always DM me if you follow me on Instagram, and I always will respond. So thank you so much again, Sean, I appreciate you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. And I'll be talking to you soon.
1: Okay, sounds good. Thank All you right. so much. All right. You're welcome. Bye. Guys. Bye. <laughs>